0: Others of these professors, though agreeing in the main system, were yet more refined upon certain branches of it, and held that man was an animal compounded of two dresses, the natural and the celestial suit, which were the body and the soul, that the soul was the outward and the body the inward clothing, that the latter was ex traduce, but the former of daily creation and circumfusion. This last they proved by Scripture, because in them we live and move and have our being as likewise by philosophy because they are all in all and all in every part besides said they separate these two and you will find the body to be only a senseless unsavory carcass by all which it is manifest that the outward dress must needs be the soul to this system of religion were tagged several subaltern doctrines which were entertained with great vogue, as particularly the faculties of the mind were deduced by the learned among them in this manner. Embroidery was sheer wit, gold fringe was agreeable conversation, gold lace was repartee, a huge long periwig was humour, and a coat full of powder was very good raillery, all which required abundance of finesse and delicatess to manage with advantage, as well as a strict observance after times and fashions. I have, with much pains and reading, collected out of ancient authors this short summary of a body of philosophy and divinity which seems to have been composed by a vein and race of thinking very different from any other systems, either ancient or modern. And it was not merely to entertain or satisfy the reader's curiosity, but rather to give him light into several circumstances of the following story, that, knowing the state of dispositions and opinions in an age so remote, he may better comprehend those great events which were the issue of them. I advise, therefore, the courteous reader to peruse with a world of application, again and again, whatever I have written upon this matter. And so, leaving these broken ends, I carefully gather up the chief thread of my story and proceed. These opinions, therefore, were so universal, as well as the practices of them, among the refined part of court and town, that our three brother adventurers, as their circumstances then stood, were strangely at a loss. For on the one side, the three ladies they addressed themselves to, whom we have named already, were ever at the very top of the fashion, and abhorred all that were below it but the breadth of a hair. On the other side, their father's will was very precise and it was the main precept in it, with the greatest penalties annexed, not to add to or diminish from their coats one thread without a positive command in the will. Now the coats their father had left them were, it is true, a very good cloth, and besides, so neatly sewn you would swear that they were all of a piece, but at the same time very plain, with little or no ornament. And it happened that before they were a month in town, Great shoulder-knots came up. Straight all the world was shoulder-knots. No approaching the lady's ruelle without the quota of shoulder-knots. That fellow, cries one, has no soul. Where is his shoulder-knot? Our three brethren soon discovered their want by sad experience, meeting in their walks with forty mortifications and indignities. If they went to the playhouse, the doorkeeper showed them into the twelvepenny gallery. If they called a boat, says a waterman, I am first sculler. If they stepped into the rose to take a bottle, the drawer would cry, Friend, we sell no ale. If they went to visit a lady, a footman met them at the door with, Pray, send up your message. In this unhappy case, they went immediately to consult their father's will, read it over and over, but not a word of the shoulder knot.